trigger warning, this episode contains descriptions of mental illness. So do take care of yourself as you listen. All right. Um, so my name is Zinke. Today's guest is a South African medical student, a YouTuber, and an entrepreneur. I've been practicing how to pronounce her name for about 30 minutes. It's not going great. How do I pronounce your name? I've been trying to practice, but could you just like pronounce it one more time for me? <laughs> okay, so my name is Zinke, but most people call me Z, which I am very happy for you to call me Z. Yeah. I'm going to call her Z for the rest of this episode, but I promise to continue practicing how to properly say her name. It's important to me. So, Z was born and raised in Johannesburg in South Africa. Her dad was a pastor and a dentist, and her mom is an accountant. She grew up quite introverted. Also, I was an only child, or I should say, I was the only child that lived with my parents. My dad had other children outside, but they did not live with us. So, I was my, um, I was my mom's only child growing up. I from a very young age, was someone who just kept to themselves. I was very afraid of interacting with other people. Um, and I, I was always just a good child. For me, it was very important that I do everything by the book. I do well at school. I do not stress out the parents at all because my parents had a very tumultuous relationship and I didn't want to add stress basically to the relationship, which then in turn um, resulted in me being a very, like, a child who kept by the book. I did not ever, like, I didn't, you're not allowed to make mistakes. You're not allowed to be naughty. I was not that child. Her childhood was mixed. She was the kid who had to be perfect. She grew up doing everything right to avoid adding stress to her parents' already rocky relationship. That was probably a lot to deal with as a child. But she also enjoyed a decent life, like a lot of her needs were met. So I grew up in quite a, I grew up quite well, I'll say. You know, we were quite well off. You know, we had four cars. We had a four-bedroom house with, you know, swimming pool, entertainment areas. My parents had a walk-in closet before I, I even knew what a walk-in closet was. When she turned 12, her parents were basically splitting up and getting back together every three months. As a result, family life was a bit unstable for her. Like, Z was constantly moving in and out of the house with her mom. That's when things took a different turn. And then my my teachers in school, um, they were the ones who picked it up first. My mom was too busy and, and preoccupied preoccupied by work and the marriage so she didn't really notice you know but my teachers noticed and they were like we know you we know you as a bubbly kid you know when you're at school um you take part in this and this and that um so they they were like there's just something different and so they kind of um asked my mom or recommended to my mom that I see an educational psychologist, which is obviously a psychologist that works with kids. And I guess that's where the journey started. 12-year-old Z was thrown into a completely new world, a world where she was constantly drowning and had to continuously hold on to avoid sinking. Hi. 
Hi, my name is Aisha Salahuddin, and I like girls. This is a narrative storytelling podcast about African women and the different experiences life throws at us for being women. In today's episode, through this story, we explore mental health and how our childhood experiences can impact our emotional and psychological well-being. When I was in grade six, so that was when I was 12, I developed a, I developed something called Bowel's Palsy, which is when the nerves in your, like one side of your face just stop working basically, right? Bell's palsy is a medical condition that causes weakness of the muscle on one side of a person's face. Basically, one side is normal and the affected side is unable to move or it just falls. According to the NHS, it's usually temporary as most people make a full recovery in months. According to a report from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke, stress, sleep deprivation and physical trauma, like in this case, can trigger Bell's palsy. Z was stuck in the middle of her parents' issues, so naturally, she was under an immense amount of stress. Her grade 6 teachers noticed it and decided to do something about it. And so, you know, the teachers knew me well. I spoke to the teachers, mm-hmm. had great relationships with the teachers. And so I think the biggest change that they noticed was the fact that I was going back into my shell. And they had never experienced a side of me where... um. I was introverted. So they would see me come to school Mm. and just be very quiet. Just, you know, when you can kind of tell that this child is sad, like this child does not seem okay. Um, And that was kind of those specific, Mm. that was a specific thing that I remember my teacher even came up to me and he was like, are you okay, man? Like you, you seem, this was my sports coach. He said, you seem very um, just different. Your energy is just very different. Mm. Uh, are things okay at home? And obviously, being a positive kid, um, we were never allowed to not be okay. I was never allowed to, whatever happens at home stays at home. So when you're out of the house, you have to pretend that everything is okay. So we know Z to be introverted at home, right? You know, the good kid who never made mistakes. But in school, she was loud and bubbly. School was kind of her safe space where she could escape from the expectations of being the perfect child. Her teachers knew how to be fun and energetic. So it's understandable that when this switch happened, they were alarmed. They insisted she see an educational psychologist. So when I saw the educational psychologist, um, I guess she she wrote a report, right? Um, because I think she had seen me for a, two mm. or three sessions. Um, so she, I never knew what she saw it was all in that report and that report went to like I guess my my teachers and also my mom right so I never knew what was in that report Mm. all I did was kind of answer her questions she'd be like she'd do random things um like ask me to draw picture like draw a picture you know or um write this for me and she would ask me Mm -hmm. questions like you know who who do you feel like you can speak to? Um, at this point, my parents were fully separated, going like um, fa- mm. my mom had filed for divorce. And she would just ask simple questions like, how do you feel about that? How's your relationship with your dad? And I would just answer those questions kind of just nonchalantly, not really thinking about, you know, what this mm. could be about or the fact that this is 
really like me being in psychology, like in, in, in therapy, basically. So this was my first encounter in therapy when I was 13. And yeah. it was years later. And by years later, I mean when I was like 20, when I found out what was in that report mm-hmm. and the fact that the report had said that I had high levels of depression and high levels of anxiety. So at the age of 13, Z was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. Only that, she didn't know it. She never saw the report. She just went on living life with a lot of symptoms and struggles that she didn't quite understand. She also had to stop those therapy sessions because at some point, her mom could no longer afford them. She had become the sole breadwinner during one of those moments of separating from Z's father. So there was just no money to carry on. Financially, she could no longer afford it because now she's out of her. She's out on her own for the very first time. My parents got married when my mm. mom was seventeen years old, so she was basically having to start her life from the ground up. Wow. You know, and yeah, she was. She just she 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 didn't tell me number one, but number two, the only thing yeah. that she did tell me was, "I can no longer afford your sessions, so we're gonna stop those." And I said, "Okay." Yeah, Z went from being financially stable to struggling. It was a lot to deal with for her and for her mom. Z pretty much went through her early teenage years dealing with constant moments of sadness. She lost a lot of interest in the things she liked, like sports and school. Every day was a struggle. She would wake up, eat, go to school, sleep, and repeat. And then I think where things really changed for me was when I was 16 and I developed insomnia. So I could not sleep at all. I was going days without like getting any type of proper sleep. Um, so yeah, those were the, the small things that I didn't realize at the time, but I think the biggest one was things. Yeah. The biggest ones were things like I, I was very, I was an irritable person. Um, like I, I, that's why I would just like choose an option to stay by myself, you know, be by myself. I found that I was fighting with my mom a lot again because of the irritability. I found that I had low, a low mood a lot. I found that mm-hmm. I would like be in my room crying way too much, <laughs> and I'd be like, "Why am I even like so sad?" Like I had crying spells and things like that. And obviously, at the time, I knew nothing about depression. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about. But, you know, I found myself in places where I was just like, I do not want to be here, which is home. But also, I do not want to be here, which is on earth. And I think those feelings intensified, especially when I I turned 16. Yeah, Z was struggling. And she didn't understand why or how to make her symptoms better. At some point, her dad and grandma died. And all of it became too much. Um, I think because of my upbringing, I never spoke to anyone about my emotions because of the fact that I always grew up knowing that you just, if you're not okay, you keep that to yourself. So for me, it was important to just keep things to myself. Um, And I did that most of my life. At age 16, these symptoms intensified and things became much worse. She was writing her final exams in high school at the time and she couldn't afford to be out of focus. So she went to see a doctor, a GP, and he put her on antidepressants and antipsychotics. But here's the thing. 
he never fully explained the drugs and their effects to her. Because he was a minor at the time, the GP gave her mom all the feedback, but not her. So once again, she was in the dark about her condition. Um, so yeah, he put me on antidepressants, all of these things, and I felt terrible. I was having the worst side effects. I mm. was getting so, like, I was feeling depressed. I was feeling tired. I just was not okay at all. I understand Z a little too well. When you're taking medicine for your mental health, it's often a gamble. You spend the first couple of months trying to figure out what medicine works for you and what doesn't. In those moments of figuring stuff out, you have to deal with taking medicine that may come with awful side effects. Sometimes the medicine makes you feel worse than you already do. You have to continuously switch between meds until you find what works for your body. It's exhausting. And in many cases, you get worse before you get better. So with Z, the meds were making her even more depressed. She also started getting panic attacks. I remember just not being able to breathe, my heart beating really quickly, and I immediately, like, uh, my vision went blurry, all sorts of things, and then I started crying, um, and I just literally thought I was dying. I could swear that day I thought I was dying. I immediately called my cousin because... Um, I knew she was close by. I called her and even on the phone, I was like, I knew, but I, she could hear that. Okay, something's wrong. She mm-hmm. like drove, came quickly. She still found me in that state. I was at home at the time by myself. Um, wow. And it was just so scary to me. Um, she immediately drove me to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got to the emergency room, I was a little bit calmer. But I was just scared. Like, I was scared. I was like, what the hell just happened, you know? Um, And um, then they admitted me. Mm -hmm. um, And they told me I've got, like, bronchitis or something. Um, And I was like, bronchitis? Because I guess... um, some of the symptoms or most of the symptoms I was showing, which is like breathlessness and shortness of breath, right, things right. like that are big signs of like a respiratory problem, like a lung problem or mm. breathing problem. You know what I mean? So that's what they, um, that's what they um, told me I had. Yeah, she didn't have bronchitis, but of course at the time she didn't know that it was a panic attack. But then, while I was in a hospital, my aunt came to see me, right? And my aunt said mm-hmm. to me, she's like, Nana, because I'm like the baby in the family. She was like, Nana, that's what they call the baby. Nana, what's wrong? And immediately when she asked me what's wrong, I had another panic attack. Oh, no. Um, I could while I was in hospital, luckily, obviously, um, the nurses rushed in. They came with the ox- the oxygen mask. They told me to breathe. So at least this panic attack was handled a little bit better because it was in a hospital setting. Right, right. Um, but still at this point, nobody is saying, maybe she has anxiety. Like, maybe right. she is struggling with anxiety. Right. So... Um, and even, I remember one of the nurses even made a comment saying, ah, at this time of the year, Vele, they just, they, they, they act up, um, what because the they hell? don't want to go to school. What the hell? Like, what? Like, who would want to put themselves through that? Do you know what I mean? And yeah, that. I think 
that, that's crazy. That comment was one of the reasons why I further never like I further just never spoke about my mental illness. You know, wow, I then self criticized. I started self criticizing because I was being criticized yeah. for something I didn't even know. Yeah. The hospital eventually figured out that she didn't have bronchitis. So they let her go with some meds. As she mentioned, she felt extremely frustrated and guilty because she had no idea she was dealing with anxiety. She continuously asked herself, why do I feel the way I do? After her panic attacks, she stopped taking the antidepressants that the first GP prescribed. At this point, I was approaching my grade 11 year matric year I was just like going with it going with the flow um you know at this time it's very like these marks are very critical obviously for me to go into university mm-hmm. um and yeah it was literally I I was just like I I'm not a sleeper I don't sleep it's fine like I was oh one God. of those people I was like look if I, if I get a nap in, in the afternoon I'm good. You know what I mean? Um, wow. I ended up being someone who would take like energy supplements, you know? Um, yeah, I used to, I think what helped though was when I'd get back from school, I would take naps. So, and then I would study at like, like I'd be up at like 12 a.m. Then that's when I'd study and stuff. So I was like, okay, look, it's working for me in terms of school. So let me just go with it. Like it, it, at that point, I completely disregarded my own emotions, my own feelings, my own experience. Yeah. So in a way, her inability to sleep helped her study better for her exams. A win is a win, I guess. But I think also what helped is that at the time, um, I did have a boyfriend. So I think he also mm-hmm. like just kind of um, distracted me. I was very distracted from my life. So you had someone to because talk of the to outside what was happening to you and that kind exactly. of helped. Right, right, right. Exactly. So he played a pivotal role in why I got through my grade eleven and matric year. Um. So wow. my seven being my being seventeen and eighteen because I finally had and I think our relationship started off as friends. So it mm-hmm. felt more so like I had mm-hmm. a best friend. Right. Um. He lived very close to where I stayed. So I could see him every day during the week and every day of the weekend. Mm. We did very similar subjects. We could study together. Um, yeah, he made it a little bit easier. So, mm. you know, like you said, now I could finally have someone to talk to and I didn't really feel judged by him. Um, mm-hmm. Even though he would like, he would never understand. I think obviously when you don't have anxiety or you don't have like any yeah. t- type of mental illness, he I would find that he wouldn't understand certain yeah. things. Like he'd be yeah. like, it would know, never make sense. Why is him. this stressing you? Out? Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. Like, Thanks. That makes sense. Same. But also he didn't. He never invalidated what I was feeling. It would right. be just like, oh, okay, okay, that's all right. If that's you know, if that's how you feel. Z was able to make it through her final year in high school because she had this person to talk to. She also tried out other coping mechanisms like <laughs> alcohol. She graduated high school and in 2019, she got into the University of Witwatersrand or with in Johannesburg to study medicine. Z's personal experience with her mental health inspired her to study medicine. She felt like she didn't get enough info from doctors about her condition early. She chose to study medicine because she wanted to be present for other people in a way she felt doctors weren't for her. Now, 
med school is expensive. So, um, my mom had to sell her car. Oh. Um, yeah, so that was sad. Um, but yeah, luckily she had a, a fully paid up car and okay. she had to sell that car. Uh, but she still had another like small car at home. Okay. So like she okay. could still get a small car. But yeah, um, that's how we paid for my first year fees. And then when I finished in, with my first year, I applied for a bursary and I got a bursary. So okay. that's, yeah. Now, if you know anything about med school, you know it's hard. It's a lot of work. So Z pretty much winged her entire first year. Yes, she had a bursary, like a grant that allowed her to go to school. But there were still other money-related things she had to worry about. She had to pay for food and data and a laptop. So that definitely impacted her mental health as well. You know, I would struggle to get out of bed. I would have, again, the crying spells. And now, obviously, I'm alone. I don't even have, like, I think maybe I don't have, like, my baby sister to distract me or, you know, I just, I took a dip and then eventually I called my mom. I said, look, something is really wrong and Mm -hmm. I need us to figure it out. And so that was when I went back to therapy for the first time since I was 13. Luckily for Z, her mom had medical insurance at work that covered her. So she was able to get proper help for the first time ever. The therapist was even a lecturer at our university. Oh, okay. Um, so I could just go see him. Yeah. And he immediately diagnosed me with um, uh, generalized anxiety disorder and social anxiety. Um, okay. And he said that my anxiety, unfortunately, then he feels that my anxiety brings on depression because obviously Mm. when you're constantly in a state of anxiety and you're constantly in a state of being alone and you know you will usually you'll usually develop symptoms of depression but also because it's the same chemicals in the brain that are affected um it's just that anxiety i think is affected at a at a lesser um you know, it's affected, those chemicals are affected less um, in anxiety right. than in depression. But that's when then the depression was also developing. And it, But it was more so caused by the anxiety that he said, in his opinion, I have been probably anxious and depressed my entire life. You know, I want to, I want to pause there because I guess maybe this is the moment mm-hmm. where you are sort of figuring out like, so this is what has been wrong the entire time. Cause you always knew mm-hmm. that there was something going on. You just didn't know maybe the words for it. So mm-hmm. tell me about like, what, what was it mm-hmm. like, you know, finally realizing or getting to understand. Oh, so this is what all of this has been that moment for you. Um, whew. I think I was very hard on myself. Mm-hmm. If I remember really well, I, I, I then started Googling these things and Oh my God, Google is terrible. Googling your diagnosis like Z did can be scary. Google comes at you really fast with a lot of information. If you're not careful, you'll end up getting overwhelmed. So on one hand, she was happy. She finally had a name for this thing that had been bothering her her entire life. And on the other hand, she was terrified. She kept thinking, okay, I have generalized anxiety disorder. Now what? Generalized anxiety disorder is a long-term medical condition that causes you to feel anxious over a wide range of issues. 
People with this condition like Z tend to struggle with feeling relaxed. Like, as one anxious thought is resolved, another may appear about a different issue. So Z continued seeing this therapist, right? And she noticed something interesting. But I did find that the more I went to him, the more my symptoms got worse because the more I was aware. I became very self-aware now. So now yes, I, would, I would know yes. that, oh, this is what's happening, you know. And mm-hmm. I also did a little bit, I did a bit of a, a bit of psychology um, in first year because you have to do some psychology and medicine. Okay. And, yeah. I, you know, that was even worse because now I'm even understanding it even more and um, yeah yeah it it in in that first year my year didn't end well but luckily I got through it and I passed so I was very happy so so being aware of her diagnosis made her even more anxious like it became one extra thing to stress over luckily as she mentioned she made it through her first year in med school in between all the madness When the pandemic hit in 2020, the entire world stopped. And so did Z's world. When the pandemic hit, I had to go back home. I'm going back home to a mother who does not have a job. Okay? I'm going back home to a mother who doesn't know where she's going to get money to pay the rent. I'm going back home to a place where all the allowance that I get from my bursary has to go to the household. You know, straight to the household, you know. That hitting sound you're hearing as Z makes her point is her clapping. You know, when you're making a point and trying to emphasize it by tapping, that's how much the pandemic hit her. Her mom left her job just before COVID-19 hit. She had to stay at home with her mom and worry about rent, food, and bills. She was also dealing with her mental health. So it wasn't the best of times. It illuminated so many things for me. And I was then experiencing the low mood even more to a point of having suicidal ideation i just did not want to live anymore i had no drive even for school i had no drive and that was the one thing that kept me going was school i did not want to do assignments i don't know how many assignments i did not do that year i'm telling you i don't know i don't i just i did not i didn't care i didn't all i wanted was to stay in my bed z and her mom were also fighting a lot at home They hadn't had the best relationship, but being at home during the pandemic made everything worse. As she said, she was missing a lot of her online classes and skipping assignments. It was almost as if she had no will to leave. And that's when she knew that she had to do something about it. I then decided I'm going to take my own money. At the time, um, there was so much money to go see a psychologist. But I said, I'm going to go take my own money and go see a psychologist. I went to go see a psychologist and literally she was like, I'd never do this um, on the first session because it was our first session. But I literally can tell that you are clinically depressed and I want to admit you into a mental institution because I am scared for you. I need you to be put on medication. I need you to be put um, in like psychotherapy. You know, like I am scared of sending you back home. This new psychologist clocks that Z also had a lot of suicidal ideations. So naturally, she was worried. Z refused to be admitted to a mental institution. 
to be clear, even though Z knew her diagnosis and somewhat understood why she was feeling the way she was, she was still scared of getting the right treatment. It can be overwhelming and terrifying to find out on your first visit to a psychologist that they are recommending being treated in a mental institution. So yeah, Z left and just continued to wing everything. Until she couldn't. Okay, so what happened was that around July, June, June, July, I went back to school. And now the problem was that the only kids who were allowed to be back at school were medical students. So I was spending a lot of time again by myself, you know? Like, I always say that I don't like spending time by myself because I get into my head and I start to just, like feel things and think things you know intrusive thoughts you know um and so yeah it you know but I was just taking it a day at a time Mm -hmm. but now the thing that oh I and then oh what was the pivotal moment in 2020 was when my course coordinator so this is like um the main person for like your year of study Mm -hmm. right my course coordinator said you went from getting distinctions in the beginning of the year to failing. Like you're failing. <sighs> your marks, you're failing tests. What is going on? You know, something because this this is she said this is too drastic of a change for me to understand mm-hmm. it and not reach out to you. So she literally was like, I need a Teams meeting with you. We had a Teams meeting and she immediately was like, What's going on? I I was like, I'm not sh- I'm not sure. I'm just uninterested or whatever, you know, in my head. And that's when then I was referred to a psychologist um, from school. The psychologist from school immediately referred me to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist immediately put me on medication. And that's where the journey started. And I couldn't believe that I was unable to function without medication. This journey to mental awareness was all over the place. She started out struggling for years without fully understanding her symptoms. Then at the age of 20, in adulthood, She got a sense of what was happening to her. She went back and forth a bit trying to understand it and regulate herself as she digested the new information. She also had to deal with the side effects of the medicine prescribed to her at first. There was also the money struggle. Therapy is expensive and not everyone can afford it. I did that recap to emphasize that the journey to mental awareness isn't always straightforward. For many people, it usually starts with not understanding what's going on to understanding and not accepting, and then eventual acceptance and treatment, whatever form that may take. The point is, it's a process, a journey, and not everyone gets to their destination following a straight road. Some people hit speed bombs, others take longer and more complex routes, and some never make it. The medication didn't treat me well. Um, I, for some reason, every time I get... Um, prescribed medication all the side effects that they that they say are uncommon but happen sometimes I get those side effects yeah so I became more suicidal at this point Z's mom had gotten a job so the financial burden that was previously on Z was a bit relaxed but there were other things like she was fainting a lot she's not sure if that part is linked to all the stress she was going through if it had to do with the meds or just another symptom of her mental health. So I then, now I'm fainting and then now I'm like 
anxious to go to school because I'm like the last time I went to school I fainted and yeah. you know like yeah. I was just going I was going through it and I yeah. eventually oh, my psychiatrist crazy. was like uh uh-uh. uh you need to be put under 24 like our supervision like 24 7 um so we're booking you in they booked me into a mental institution and two days in I was like I'm ready to leave I could not I was like wow. I'm not supposed to be here um I think for me I suffered from self-stigmatization I judged myself a lot I was like mm-hmm. I, I I can overcome this like why am I wh- like it's just it's just mental illness I can overcome this like what's going on <laughs> like mm-hmm. and yeah they kept me there for um 22 days and I couldn't see my family obviously because of the pandemic I couldn't see anyone because of the pandemic. I was in this mental institution for, you know, almost a whole month. And it was probably one of the worst and lowest moments of my my life. One of the, one of the lowest moments of my life. Even though Z managed to avoid getting admitted into the mental institution early that year, it became inevitable in the long run. But, I mean, that yeah. is such a hard experience to have, especially because you were alone and you couldn't see, like, your loved ones. That must have been really hard. And I wonder, like, so at what points did they say, okay, you right. can go now? Did you did you get better? Or what was it that made them feel like, I think you're good now? Um. So the only reason why I had to go home was because I no longer could, our medical aid could no longer pay for my stay at the hospital. Oh. That was literally the only reason. My yeah, wow. my mom would have to pay it out of her pockets. Luckily, she did have a job. That's why we had a medical aid. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. staying in a, a private hospital is just way too expensive. So after yeah. twenty, they actually cut you off after twenty. After twenty one days, they cut you off. They kept me one extra day. My mom was like, "It's fine. She'll pay for that mm-hmm. one." Um, but yeah, medical aid could could no longer pay, so I had to leave. I had to go back home. Yeah, Z hadn't actually gotten better. She just had to leave because of money. This is yet another reality of living with a mental health condition. Sometimes you know exactly what you need and where you can access help. You just don't have the money to get the healing you deserve. I was definitely happy to be back home. Um, mm. I needed the, the, the... And that's when my mom and I's relationship really got strengthened. You know, I needed to be around people that loved me, people that had their best interests at mm. heart for me. As much as Z was happy to be back home, there was no time for her to process everything that had happened. She had to immediately throw herself into studying for her final exams. She had missed so many assignments and classes, but she was determined to pass her first year in medical school. Think about how crazy all of it must have been. She had to study in the midst of all that chaos. I wrote my exams. Luckily, because of the marks I had obtained in the beginning of the year, I passed most of my modules. I only had one Mm -hmm. module. And it's not that I didn't pass it. It's just that that specific Mm -hmm. module, my my mark was above the pass rate. But the thing is that there were three components in that one module and you had to have a specific percentage Mm -hmm. for each component. So that's where I fell short is that for the one component, I didn't have that sub-minimum, even though I had passed. So when you look at my my, my report, I've passed, but I failed the year and I have to come back next year and repeat. 
Z was so heartbroken. She had to repeat the year, you know, to take that one module she didn't pass. So that was tough. Watching your friends progress is tough. Um, A person like me, I plan my life to the T while I, you know, in my head and now I'm falling behind. (laughs) That's what you had happened. I've never experienced failure and now I failed. I didn't understand that or I failed. Um... But that's when then I started, I was like, okay, God has given me more time or I've been offered more time. What can I do with it? And that's when I started my YouTube channel. And I was like, I'm going to share my story. Yeah. I am going to share my story for someone out there who thinks that they're alone. And share her story she did. In fact, that's how Olivia, our associate producer, found Z on YouTube. Hi guys and welcome back to my YouTube channel, my sweeties. If it is your first time seeing this face, I think it's everyone's first time seeing this face because I've cut my hair. (laughs) On YouTube, Z sometimes shares her mental health struggles. In the episode that Olivia found, Z talked about being diagnosed as a child, dealing with symptoms she didn't understand and finally learning that she has anxiety as well as depression. It's not like Z has everything figured out. I mean... She still has really bad days. And there's a part where private therapy costs a lot of money that she just doesn't have, at least not yet. But she says she feels compelled to share her experience because opening up is important in normalizing conversations about mental health. I asked her if she was worried about going public with her story. Um, I think for everyone, they'd be worried. You know what I mean? Um, also because I... Everyone had this perfect picture of who I am. You know what I mean? And I knew that this perfect picture is about to be severely distorted, you know? Um, Distorted, like, completely, Mm. actually. Um, So, and that's why, if you watch my channel, the first few videos, I don't talk about the mental illness at all. Um, I think it was when I reached a break... Yeah, when I reached another breaking point where I was like... I just don't feel like this is happening for no reason. You know what I mean? Like, surely this Mm. can't be happening for absolutely no reason. And I was like, I'm tired. I'm so, I think I got to that point where I was like, I'm tired of pretending I'm okay. I'm tired of pretending I'm this perfect person. I'm tired Mm. of, you know, acting like this thing doesn't exist. Um, I'm tired of doing other people a disservice by not sharing my story. Um, because I knew in my heart that this story, even if it reaches one heart, there will be one person who will be like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Let me go get myself checked yeah. out. And, you know, I don't know how many people, you know, reach out to me every time I talk about my mental illness and they're like, I cried throughout this video because literally I, I've been experiencing this, you know, the same thing mm. or similar things. And I'm like, girl, go, go, get, go get yourself checked out, please go mm. get yourself, you know, um, because yeah, it just, so that's, that's how it came about. It was hard. Yeah. Um, there was a big part of me that didn't want to share. It didn't, I, I, there was a part of mm. me holding, you know, holding me back, but I knew that I had to do it. I just knew I had to do it. And I did. And, you know, I have no regrets in it, like for having shared my story. I'm really glad that Z found the courage to share her story with her 6,000 plus YouTube subscribers, including me. <laughs> Talking about mental illness is really important because 
It makes it more acceptable for people suffering from mental illness to seek help and learn to cope. It also normalizes conversations about mental health, making it easier for people to learn and understand the importance of paying attention to their emotional and psychological well-being. By the way, I'll hyperlink Z's YouTube page in the episode notes, so check it out if you're curious. I know you're doing many things now, not just like, you're, of course, you're in medical school, but like, like you said, you're an entrepreneur, you're a content creator. Tell me, like, are these like hacks that you've developed to deal with like everything you're going through or this is just, I don't know. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, because with mental health, I've learned that it, you don't just wake up one day and everything is automatically peachy. It's like what you said at the start that sometimes you find that you don't want to eat. You know, some days are good and some days are bad. So yeah. how do you deal? Do you distract yourself? Do you, what do you do to, on, on the bad days to like, you know, feel better? I think the bad days, okay. So, cause at some point I got off of my medication cause I thought I was okay. Mm-hmm. Biggest mistake I made. Um, no. and so the bad days got worse. Unfortunately, the bad days got worse. And, um, mm. yeah, one thing about YouTube, it was an outlet. It was a, for me, it was something I can do to distract myself. Like you said, distraction, you know, mm-hmm. I had to find a hobby. I was like, I need a hobby and I need one first. Um, and that's what YouTube became for me. That's what content creation became for me. Z also took up making and selling bonnets, not particularly as a distraction or a coping mechanism, just to make money. Um, I do find that I'm very entrepreneurial. I've always got ideas mm-hmm. on how to make money. Um, so I did those things also because of that year when I was repeating just one module, I had a lot of time on my hands mm-hmm. to do all these things. Um and so I made sure that I am not going to let this year go to waste just because, you know, I, I yeah. failed, okay? I'm going to make the most of it. All of this was in the pandemic year. So let's fast forward to 2023. Right now, Z is currently taking a gap year. When we recorded this episode, she was three months into her break from uni. She still is. She's working different jobs and can't wait to get back to school. I'm just discovering um, a lot of things. And I feel like by the time that I do go back to school, I'll be a lot stronger mentally, um, emotionally, and so on and so forth. And now I'm consistent with my meds. I am going to the gym. I'm doing all that I need to do. You know what I mean? I'm like putting in the work. I'm like, I've got time to put in the work. So I am putting in the work and I am going to be okay. And that's kind of now, I'm even wanting to start a new segment on my channel called Mental Health Mondays, where I want people to understand that, yes, these things exist, but there is, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. We just need to do the work Mm -hmm. because I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it with myself. I'm a living testimony of the fact that if you put in the work, you'll be okay. You know, for the most part, you know, you can still be okay. I took a peek at Z's YouTube channel about a week ago. And yeah, she still has bad days. But she's grateful for the good days too. She's working a lot. She's working out too. And guys, she has a boyfriend now. It has taken a lot of work for Z to get to where she is. A lot of crying, a lot of bad days, panic attacks, fainting, suicidal ideations. It hasn't been easy. But she's taking it one day at a time. (laughs) 
I guess my last question for you, so um, is just really, what advice do you have for anyone who's going through stuff like this? And is you know where you were, where you didn't know what the hell was going on. What what would you like them to know, just based on your experience? Okay, I think the first thing is that there, even if you feel like there's no one there, there is someone who wants to hear what you know and is willing to hear what you're going through. Do not suffer in silence. Mm -hmm. There is absolutely no need to suffer in silence. Um, I think for me right now, what's getting me through is the community that I have created around myself. I have a community of people now who I can talk to outside of my mom. Mm -hmm. I have my cousin. I have my elder sister, which is crazy because then when mm -hmm. I started speaking to my older sister, I found out that she also suffered from depression. And, you know, you find wow. these things out, you know. And so for me, number one, most importantly, please speak to someone. Z knows better than anyone else that when struggling mentally, it's difficult to express yourself to others. But I hope that anyone going through this finds the courage and words to express how they truly feel. Because in a lot of cases, opening up gives others a chance to understand what's going on and possibly help. So whatever help you can get, please do get it, guys. And I just, more than anything, I want people to know that they're not alone. That's why I'm saying it's so important for you to talk. Talk about these things. You don't have to tell the whole world. Find one person that you can talk to. But more, mm. also more importantly, yeah, I really just want people to understand that they're not alone. They must just come into my, you know, I get so many DMs and stuff. Mm. If you want to, you know, Zinka M on YouTube, just come into my comment section, come into my mm. DMs. I'll even talk to you, you know, because I think sometimes it is easier to mm. talk to a stranger. I have now yeah. this open, open door policy um, because the worst thing that you could do for yourself is suffer alone and go and go through this thing yeah. alone. Yeah. That's very well said. When we're going through hard moments, especially mentally, we tend to think that we're alone, that nobody else is experiencing what we're experiencing. But nobody has a monopoly on mental illness. And I hope that when we truly need that community to lean on, we find it. If you're in South Africa like Z, you can access mental health care for free in government-owned hospitals. You only have to pay if you're going for private practices. So go get checked. Talk about your symptoms, about how you feel. You are not crazy. You're not alone. And there's light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you for listening to our final episode for this season. I Like Girls is produced by 27 Productions. If you'd like to get in touch with us, visit ilikegirls.co. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at ilikegirlsgang. Please rate and review I Like Girls on whatever streaming platform you listen to podcasts on. Rating us helps other people to discover the podcast just like you. This episode is written and produced by me, Aisha Salahuddin. Audio engineering is by Duski, and our theme music is by Banks with a double G. The rest of the music you heard throughout this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. I'll catch you in season four.